Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Ronnie Kirch to the podcast. Ronnie serves as the assistant director of marketing and managing editor of For the Church website here at Midwestern Seminary. He also serves as a pastor at Emmaus Church here in Kansas City. Today, Ronnie joins me as a guest host as we discuss my recent book, Succeeding at Seminary, 12 Keys to Getting the Most Out of Your Theological Education. Ronnie, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. It's an honor to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, it's good to be in the studio with you. And uh, before we get into the conversation today uh, around my new book, Succeeding at Seminary, uh, I do want to just have a moment of reflection with you. Uh, it's good to be in the studio with you. Of course, yes, you, you uh, were one of the early believers in Midwestern Seminary. And yes, sir. I well remember you visiting campus as a college student, prospective MDF student. And I guess that was in 2013 when you visited? That's right. Mm-hmm. In 2013. 2013. And then you first enrolled here in, was it fall of 14 or fall of 13? That's right. My wife and I moved here May 22nd, 2014. Okay, 2014. So, mm-hmm. And you did the MDF degree. You That's now right. were uh, nearly finished with a PhD degree. So, That's correct. So tell us where you are in process there. And uh, I know you've had some other happenings, some book contracts, yeah. and some other fun things happening. Absolutely. Yeah. So I finished writing my dissertation. So first draft is done. It is to my my first and second chair. So it's in their hands now. My future is. So when, <laughs> when did you submit it? I submitted it last week. Okay. So, so it's, that's recent. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's fresh. I'm glad to kind of get that uh, section done. We'll see how many edits they have me make here in the coming months. But yeah, I finished that. And as you alluded to, I have signed uh, two new contracts. So my dissertation is under contract with Christian Focus. And so that one uh, kind of, we'll see when it comes out. Not not exactly sure when that's going to happen. And then I recently, just last week, signed a contract with BNH uh, for a book that will come out next summer. Good for you. Well, yeah, look, thank it's you. been so fun for me to see you come and grow and and the MDiv, the PhD. Now, nearly have nearly buttoned that up, and of course, you're expanding responsibilities here. And uh, anyway, it's a sweet thing for me to see. And, and you're at Emmaus, and to see that church go from an idea and a sense of calling yeah. to a, a plant, and now to a, a church that's doing so very well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been a joy. So we 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 planted Emmaus in 2014, 2015, and the Lord's been kind to us ever since. So yeah, and it's just a, a word of appreciation to you, Dr. Allen. You. Well, we're one of the first people to recruit me to Midwestern Seminary. I remember it. Hey, I got an eye for talent, Ronnie. I saw you out there. <laughs> you know, I wish you could have written this book a little earlier. I might have done better in seminary. But, but uh, so thankful for my time here in the MDiv and, and the PhD. So grateful for you and, and the work of your hands has, has blessed me tremendously. Thank you. Well, look, it's good to have you in the studio today. And we're talking about my new book, Succeeding at Seminary. 12 Keys to Get the Most Out of Your Theological Education, uh, out with Moody Publishers here in recent days. I'm delighted um, for the words of endorsement. Uh, Legan Duncan wrote a very kind foreword to the book, and uh, it's not the longest book I've ever written. In fact, it may be the shortest, but uh, I'm just really, really uh, proud of the book. I think it, it meets a need that mm-hmm. uh, I, I perceive that's out there, and uh, man, I'm just, just hopeful that it will impact a a generation or more of, of seminary students. So so with that, look, I'm going to toss the ball to you and let you interview me a little bit, and uh, we'll tease out some questions and answers and uh, conversation points. Absolutely. Well, what a joyous episode. It's fun to join you on an occasion like this, the release of a new book. And yeah, excited to talk about it. I'd love to just start our conversation with a simple question and just ask you, how did this book come to be? How did it come about? And, and maybe more specifically, why this book and why this book now? Yes, I'll give one kind of a tactical answer, and then and then secondly, kind of a, a broader sense of uh, 
awareness of a need. I guess tactically speaking, I did my book a few years ago called Discerning Your Call to Ministry with Moody Publishers and have partnered with Moody over a couple of other little book projects as well. But uh, this book began really as a sequel to the Discerning Your Call to Ministry book. Hmm. And at one point, we were thinking about, you know, should we kind of make the, the, the book size and the feel of the book and the appearance of the book matching to Discerning Your Call? But uh, I, I yielded to their design team, and we went a slightly different direction. But so this book really came out of a, a sense of a sequel to that book. I think for me, um, the 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 motivation for the book, on the one hand, was what I've experienced the past, say, nine years here, and then uh, a few years before that, as I was serving at a sister institution, Southern Sumerian Louisville, and, and then more broadly, as I reflected back on my own call to ministry and my own pursuit of theological education and ministry preparation. So for me, um, the questions I get all the time, whether it's at a preview day, like we're about to host here in a few days, to just the random question from a pastor, the student I bump into on campus mm-hmm. who's visiting to, to perhaps study here, and then and then students, I, questions I get from students on the ground here. And so, look, it, it matters. I mean, ministry preparation is tremendously important. And if you believe what we say we believe about the church, both institutionally here at Midwestern Seminary, but what evangelicals believe about the church, you know, and God's calling to serve the church, and thus God's calling to prepare. And then you begin to think about, um, okay, you're going to go to seminary maybe for three years, maybe more. You're going to spend a significant sum of money. Uh, your spouse is going to sacrifice for you to undertake this. Uh, some church is going to support you. Other people are going to invest in you. I mean, there's a lot going mm-hmm. on here. And so that word stewardship just gets bigger and bigger and louder and louder. And so I hope this book will help um, to uh, to increase the stewardship component. I really do. And then looking back to um, where I was, and again, I, I'm at this kind of unique age, Ronnie. I'm, I'm now 44 years old. Uh, I became a believer my freshman year in college, so fall of 1995. Was uh, Became married um, June of 1999. Experienced kind of in 97, 98, a call to ministry. Not quite sure what all that meant then, real time, but was wrestling with that. And then, and then, and then God continued to solidify that in my life. And then I spent three years, and from '98 to 2001, serving with Steve Lawson, who mm-hmm. is a friend, and many of our listeners know his name. Uh, in the context of Mobile, Alabama, on a, in a church staff ministry position, and so I'm I'm there. And uh, and again, back to the age thing. So you're in you're now in kind of 2000, 2001. Seminary is there as a possibility, not just a possibility, but but like a need. And okay, it's, it's a step we're going to take. And I'm, I'm just just a touch ahead of kind of the online innovation. <laughs> and so online was kind of a thing, and partially as far as you can complete some of your hours then. And I did take one online class back many years ago when I was a residential student, but, but given some uh, logistics and, and when I wanted to graduate, I took one online class to make it happen. And then it was a matter of like, they mailed me DVDs to watch. <laughs> and so and so then there was some kind of like, kind of interactive board, but it was all seemed so alien to me. But, but backing up into 2001, it was like you go to campus or you kind of don't go to seminary. Maybe if you're in proximity to an extension center, you do something along those lines. But still, seminary was going someplace. Mm-hmm. And looking back, um, for me, even how God used that sense of, okay, we're going to move hundreds of miles away, that even helped to solidify that calling and to kind of formalize that, like mm-hmm. friends and family see, oh, oh, wow, you're like moving to another state. And so that there was a real step there. And yeah. I talk about some in the book, not that the book is a full-throated, you know, you got to go to residential training, you must go to seminary residentially. No, there's a, certainly a real place for online programs, and I'm proud of our online programs, and I talk in favorable ways of online programs in my book. 
But for me at that point in time, that was a huge step even psychologically. Okay, ministry is something I am consciously pursuing. And my wife is in it with me. We're moving together. And kind of our little Jason Allen, Karen Allen sort of way, kind of burning (laughs) the bridges behind us to go do that. And so – but but all of that, looking back 20 years later, um, it was like a safari. Mm. I mean, it was like a jungle I'm trying to chop my way through with a machete. And I even had kind friends, supportive friends, mentor ministry, but it seemed so distant. Another state. Where do you, how do you choose a school? How do you line up a job? How do, you know, how do I know what to study? I mean, all these questions that even with me at a healthy institution – with supportive friends, with ministry mentors, with all of these, you know, helpful, um, supportive kind of conduits of, of, of encouragement coming into me, it was still like a safari. Yeah. I'm trying to feel my way through. And so um, I, I want to help students who are considering seminary, Bible college, formal ministry preparation, those in seminary, Bible college, pursuing formal ministry pre- preparation, are those even kind of around it? And, and, you know, as pastors, elders, talking to people about these things, I want this to be a resource that strengthens their hands. So, man, every question that you have or, or you should have uh, is answered in this book. Mm. So to answer your question, a very long, long, long answer to a, a, a pointed question, part of this is in recent years, the questions I'm getting all the time, a part of it is my own autobiographical journey. Absolutely. Of trying to work through these things, wrestle with these things, and arrive at, at healthy conclusions. Well, with that, with that experience – coming in, and now the experience of leading institution like Midwestern Seminary, uh, Ligon Duncan points us out in the forward that, that you're the right person to write this book. So I'm glad you did. I, I do wish it would have come a few years earlier, but I'm glad you wrote it now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, um, in some ways, I'm not a good salesman. I mean, I, I, I believe very much in our work here. I believe very much in, in the call to ministry and the call to prepare for ministry. But when I'm speaking to like a room full of preview students, um, some ways I pull up short because I, I don't want to speak too forcefully because I, I'm not omniscient. Um, and perhaps I, I, I understate the urgency mm. and the seriousness and the opportunity in ministry preparation. But look, even in the context of this conversation, I don't want to pull up short. If you're listening today and, and you're in ministry, you're considering ministry, considering ministry training, and this goes far beyond a, a book commendation here. But let me just say to you from the depths of my heart, don't pull up short. Um, lean into your calling. Pursue what God has set before you with a sense of intentionality, uh, with even urgency. Seek wise counsel, yes. Explore the scriptures, absolutely. Read a book like mine to further suss out details, sure. But lean into that calling. And as you do, um, don't be surprised at all as you see God opening doors and God blessing you as you pursue him. Absolutely. So you begin you begin in the opening pages by congratulating readers. And I thought that was a pretty eye-catching opening salvo. You congratulate them because their interest in a book like this probably means they're called to ministry in some fashion. You, you even say, and I might add I agree with this assessment, that the work of the minister has more consequential and more everlasting implications than the work that takes place at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, which of course is the White House. So I'd love to press in on this word called, because if a, if a person's reading a book like this, they're likely called in some way. I fear that the language of being called is losing steam in our modern ministry parlance, but I believe it's an important word, and I know that you do too. So I would love for you to elaborate a touch on what you mean by this word, what it, me- what it means to be called to ministry. Yeah, so I, I touch on that kind of briefly in this book. I unpack that more thoroughly in, in the prequel to this, The Discerning Your Call to Ministry. But look, 
calling is an important word. And look, it is a not just a biblical word, but a biblical concept. And the Christian life is a life of calling. None of us just woke up one day and said, you know, it's pretty day out. I think, you know, I happened to buy a new tie this past week. I think I'm going to go to the church this week and give my life to Christ. No, I mean, <laughs> the Spirit calls us, right? And, and we're convicted of our sin, and he, he woos us to Christ, and we see the attractiveness of Christ, and, and, and we're called. And, and similarly, but in a more focused and even more restricted way, uh, we are called to ministry. And, and there is an aspiration there, a desire for it. I mean, Paul speaks of this very clearly in First Timothy chapter 3. You know, if any man aspires to the work of, of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to mm-hmm. do. And okay, and look, for me, and I don't want to get, get too bogged down here, but that was a, a huge issue for me 20-plus years ago. Because um, I, I did have this aspiration for ministry. God had placed that desire there. But, but I grew up in a context in, in a relatively healthy church. I, I'm very grateful for my, my home church. Uh, but, but the phrase surrender to ministry was used a lot. And to me, that was kind of spooky. Like I misinterpreted that yeah. and, and thought that meant, well, I guess if you're surrendering to ministry, you're, you're kind of relenting mm-hmm. to do something that you really don't want to do. Okay, I, okay, God, I'll surrender. You know? <laughs> Fine. Fine. I'll, I'll do it. You call me. You know? And so, so for me, I, I had this desire for ministry, but I, I think I shouldn't be desiring it. And so I lived a very conflicted life for a number of months. Someone gave me, an older brother in the ministry gave me um, a, a book, Spurgeon's Lectures to My Students, where Spurgeon talks about the first sign of a call to ministry is an intense, all-absorbing desire for yep, the work. Absolutely. Also, he pointed me to First Timothy 3, again, verse 1, which I just quoted, if any man aspires to the work of overseers, to find work he desires to do. And I go from, from realizing, oh, wow, desiring this, not only is that not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Not only is it a good thing, it's an essential thing. And so if that sense of, of calling is within you, that desire, I, I say that in a, in a sweet way of congratulations. God, perhaps, is setting you apart for the work of ministry. Absolutely. Now, ultimately, that is adjudicated uh, by the local church and elders and a congregation that, that engages your life and, and, and just helps you sort this out. Obviously, it also is a discern along the qualifications for ministry in Scripture. So we're not ultimately you know, free agents who get to kind of announce our <laughs> ministerial arrival. But, but if that desire is there and you're getting confirmation of it, I mean, that, that's a good thing. That's a glorious thing. And so I don't see ministry as maybe I'll be a mechanic, maybe I'll sell insurance, maybe I'll be a school teacher, maybe I'll be a doctor, maybe I'll be a minister. Emphatically not. Now, God is glorified in all those different vocations, and if that's what God has set one out to do, the mechanic, the school teacher, the, 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 um, the, the, the physician, and whatever else God may, have, may call his people to do, uh, those can be great tasks and God-glorifying tasks, but those aren't the ministry in the sense we're at here. That's right. And so if God has indeed put a love for you, a desire in your heart for the ministry, and, and others are seeing that and confirming it, man, congratulations. I mean, what a glorious life God has put before you, an exhilarating life. And it'll have highs and lows, yes. It'll have ups and downs, sure. But it actually is a glorious life. <laughs> Go pursue it with all that you have. I, I think that's I hope there is some listener out there who hears that, and maybe for the first time, this is this is someone saying to them, "It's okay to want this." Yeah, uh, right. And look, and, and sometimes you know you can get in different kind of pockets within evangelicalism, and perhaps you know a circle of friends or a local church or a you know online tribe or whatever. And uh, at, at times it can become really kind of cool to to beat up on the church yeah. and people to kind of talk about their bad church experiences and this cranky church member, that that mean deacon, what have you. And look, yeah, those people exist. Those experiences happen. I've encountered a few unkind people in the local church. I've had some, you know, uh, 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 unenjoyable meetings in the local church, et cetera, et cetera. But, but man, I'm looking back now on close to 25 years of ministry service in one way or another, and it has been glorious. 
If I had a million lives to live, I would not want to live them serving anyone else other than Jesus. Wow. And not want to live those lives doing anything else other than serving the local church. And I don't say that merely now as one who's perched in a seminary presidency. I say that as one reflecting on the full spectrum of intern, youth ministry, college intern, mm-hmm. small church pastor, interim pastor, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. And so uh, if you're listening to this conversation and these things are resonating, I'd say, man, hop in, like, like explore ministry training, uh, grab a copy of this book, talk to your pastor, visit with your elders, with deacons, with lay leaders, uh, pursue these things and don't, and if that desire is there, see that uh, as a good thing at this point. Absolutely. Continue on the idea of ministry preparation. Uh, you point out in the book, you, you have a phrase, a dangerous inconsistency that's happening within evangelicalism. And I want to talk about this dangerous inconsistency because I think you're on to something very important here. Uh, you discuss how evangelicals rightly have a high view of scripture. We have a high view of ministry. We have a high view of the church. And these are all right and good. However, for how much weight we put into these good and glorious things, we do not have a high, very high view of ministry preparation. And this is an important point, and I would love to hear you talk about that. You even, uh, I, I don't want to answer you for you, I, I, I read your book and I love this portion, but you even talk about how we think about a doctor, for example, mm-hmm. or a mechanic, for example, versus how we think of a pastor. So I'd love to, for you to talk about that dangerous inconsistency. Yeah, well, first of all, the uh, not just the obligatory disclaimer, but the heartfelt disclaimer. Um, there are many people who have been used by God in dramatic ways who never received formal ministry preparation. I mean, we think of names like Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. I'm here recording this in the Spurgeon Library. My life has personally been deeply impacted by ministers who had no formal ministry preparation. So the point is, if you don't have it, like not that you are, you know, second class minister, not at all. But what I am saying is, at this moment in time, in the spring of 2021, as we're recording this conversation, um, ministry preparation has never been more available, more accessible, online. Uh, on campus. And at Midwestern Seminary, not just through our formal programs, but we are, we are pushing content into the local church daily, everything mm-hmm. from our FTC website, for the Church Institute, so many other opportunities. And so it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. So a generation ago, you couldn't quite say that, uh, especially if you're finding yourself in a life station where you're, you're not able to afford to go to seminary or what have you, you're not, not able to uproot your family and move you know, 500 miles away, as we talked about. Um, it, it's there. And so what I want to say to those listening is, you don't have to come to Midwestern Seminary to be a faithful minister. You don't. You don't have to go to a seminary period to be a faithful minister. Uh, You do need to receive and pursue ministry preparation to be a fruitful and faithful minister. That does not have to be in a formal seminary setting, but most conventionally and most often it is in a formal seminary setting. And there's a reason for that. Because you're, we, are, we are able at a place like Midwestern Seminary to accumulate a, a, um, a first-class faculty. And so can you be prepared for ministry in a local church? Absolutely. Can you be shaped? Yes. But, but I don't know of a local church who actually has you know, a Matthew Barrett and Andreas Konstenberger and a Jason DeRoshi and a Jason Dusing and an Owen Strand. I could keep going on and on naming our faculty here. And so that, that is one way God has used throughout the history of his church, different times and places, a collection of gifted individuals who can pour in a concentrated amount of time into the lives of those studying for ministry. As we're recording this, Ronnie, I had a lunch today with, with 12 MDF students. Oh, yeah. These are some young men on campus I know pretty well. I was, I was reflecting with them on their first year here. And I got to tell you, I was proud as I could be. I mean, they were just overglowing about the classes they've had. <laughs> and all of these 12, uh, each one of these 12 young men came from, from good um, conservative evangelical Baptist 
uh, colleges for their undergraduate program. And I know all these schools, they're faithful. You know, these are good schools yeah. they're coming from. But they all were blown away by the caliber of the faculty, by, by, by faculty investing in them personally, by, by how the studies and the papers are all on a different level than the undergraduate program. And so I want to say loudly and clearly, look, God has gifted his church with, with some seminaries, and I'm very proud of the one here I serve, that are they're uniquely positioned to pour into aspiring ministers in ways that are very hard to find elsewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that that is so important, and that's exactly what I've experienced. And yeah, this isn't this isn't an episode long plug for Midwestern Seminary, uh, of course not. Uh, but I just affirm it, it. My life is different because I came to seminary, and I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. So uh, it's just been a joy. I, I can't help to hope there are other folks listening to the podcast who are entertaining the thought of formal theological education. Uh, while this is kind of going off of the script a bit, I think your answer here could be helpful for those who could see themselves one day doing exactly what you said you did 20 years ago, moving and coming to a seminary. Uh, I would love to hear what you have to say on this. What would you say is one thing a prospective student who's considering seminary can be doing right now to cultivate their their heart, their life, their mind, their marriage uh, before they come to seminary? Yeah, so... I often frame it this way. You know, what one gets out of seminary has a lot to do with what one puts into it. And what one puts into it has a lot to do with how one shows up. Yeah. So there are practical things. You want to go to seminary, not not kind of spiritually fizzling, but but spiritually aflamed. You do. So, so right now, be cultivating the disciplines of personal Bible study, prayer, local church engagement and service, worship, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you're, you're showing up with a, a soul that has been well-fed. Uh, practically speaking, you want to try to get out of debt. I mean, you want to—you don't want to show a bunch of bills. If you can go to seminary in three months, don't buy a new car this month. I mean, <laughs> some basic things that are kind of common sense, but 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 you know, they may not be black or white as far as sinful or or, or not sinful, but but they they are things that matter. And so, you want to get your financial house in order. Uh, if you're married, you want you don't want to like drag your spouse to seminary. I mean, you want to you want to do your very best to make sure that it's a journey. They're excited about, and you're taking it together. And, and sure, um, you know there will be sacrifices there, and perhaps the spouse has to sacrifice more than the one who's studying, right? But you'll do your very best to have your family in order, your finances in order, your heart in order, and you want to be looking wisely and intelligently at where you will study. And once you begin to zero in on, okay, it's going to be Midwestern Seminary, for example. Um, you want to do some ex- exploration of Kansas City and kind of the the employment front and the housing front and the friend front mm-hmm. and so and again a healthy seminary ought to help you do that and so there ought to be healthy churches in proximity to a healthy seminary and so you're getting to line up some things so as you move this is not totally like you know a shot in the dark but you're moving with 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 some things in order i think the analogy i use in the book is uh i grew up on the gulf coast boating was just a daily part of my life and i still love boating it's just <laughs> always so much fun to be on the water and uh you know there, there's that moment when you're you're at the dock and you know you, your boat's there beside it and you want to step from the dock onto the boat well you know you, you don't want to like jump onto the boat you want to you want to use the rope and pull the boat close right and so if the boat's you know six inches away you step over if it's two feet away you step over if it's three or four feet away you probably step over well you get to point to where if it's six feet away you know maybe if you're feeling you know young and agile you <laughs> jump but that's probably not wise you may wind up wet or worse right so the point is you pull the boat close to the dock to minimize the risk and so uh, by way of analogy, you know, you, you, you want to uh, do everything you can spiritually and practically to make that step from the dock to the boat, and by way of analogy to seminary, 
as manageable and as predictable and as safe as possible. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, but, I really like that. But there does come a time when if you're going to go boating, you have to step <laughs> into the boat. And and it's where I, I do see this a lot, and Ronnie, and uh, and we're going to wrap this up here. I'm just I'm giving really long answers to, to, to good questions. I see it where people think, okay, like my life will be simpler in two years, then I'll go to seminary. And that just is almost never the case. Absolutely. Your, your, your wife begins, you know, she's now expecting a baby. Or, or, or number two's on the way, or something else. And so it's so easy to kid yourself and think, you know, in five years, my life is going to be so much smoother. <laughs> it just never is. Life becomes more complicated with each passing year, not less. And so if God has put in your heart to go to seminary and to pursue ministry, uh, delayed obedience often winds up being disobedience. Mm. Well, Ronnie, look, I have talked too much here. You've done so well to serve me up questions. Again, today it's been a delight to visit with you about succeeding at seminary, 12 keys to get the most out of your theological education. And, uh, man, thank you for, for the conversation, Ronnie, and got to touch on matters like, you know, clarifying our calling and celebrating that and, and kind of why to prepare for ministry, why that's important, and then how to make that transition. And so for those listening, I hope it's helpful. Uh, this is not a big Midwestern seminary promo, nor is it even a book promo, but, but these matters, these topics are important. And I hope that you've been encouraged to the conversation. Ronnie, thank you for helping me out today on Preaching and Preachers. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Thanks for writing the book. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.